pride of Limerick. A young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. It's episode 188. Uh, today, as always, I'm joined by the Joe Schmidt of Irish MMA Media to talk some... <laughs> to, to, to talk a lot, of, a lot of topics this week. Just a few notes before we start. Um, I'm not around next week. I'm, I'm actually over in Scotland for the... For the weekend, but we should have Swacker. something. Yeah, exactly. It was the first one off since the All Ireland final. Actually, so it's only like two months. But we're gonna have something for you, and we'll probably do a, a State of the Union or something like that. Or Graham will get someone on or something. So we'll we we'll have something for you uh, on Sunday. But it won't be our normal regular show, and we'll talk about the next week's shows the week after then or, or whatever. So we'll have a, a bumper podcast uh, the week after as well. Uh, another thing as well. Do me a favor, go over to Instagram, follow my friend Boa Vox Physio. This episode is brought to you uh, by them. Uh, they're going to be doing lots of videos on uh, physiotherapy and rehabilitation. Obviously, there's a lot of fighters and and, and people who train jiu-jitsu and all watching this. So that'll be uh, it'll be a great help to you. There's, there's videos up there at the moment about squat mobility, back pain, and, and things like that. So go over and follow them. B-U-L-V-O-X Physio over on Instagram, over on Twitter as well. So please uh, give them a, a follow. Graham, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's a nice day in Dublin today. A bit of sun for the first time, and I don't know how long. Seems like forever. Yes, it's actually. <laughs> I, I don't even know what it's like here. I just like got up and did the podcast. I'm not gonna lie. And there was there was a bollocks outside my window, fucking cutting trees or something down there. So if you hear something during the podcast, go out and give out to that lad. But he seems to have stopped now, so it might be, it might be too bad. But it, you know what's shitty actually? <laughs> International weekends. <laughs> Said as well. oh. nothing to be doing. I had to watch fucking rugby yesterday. That's how desperate I got for something to watch. Like, God, did I'm you enjoy crazy. it? Not really. I I just don't like the sport anymore. I used to like rugby, but like I or watched. Monster were winning the the, the Heineken Cup. Were you watching or no? Yeah, I was. Why? Well, yeah, I was. I always watched the bit. I used to play a bit of rugby back. I don't, don't want to go full Niall McGrath or anything now. <laughs> Oh, you played a bit of rugby, didn't you? <laughs> I played a bit of rugby myself, yeah. I was over in the league. That's Alex Corpus Euro, I played rugby. But uh, yeah, no, I just, it's, it's I, I, I find it a very physically hurtful slot, and I know that's a weird thing oh, what, yeah. watching MMA. I think I cringe watching it. It's like, these guys are doing this fucking 30 times a year. Like, at least MMA fighters, you can think, okay, he gets fucking two months off to recover after this. Them boys are in fucking fights every weekend, and they're coming out the weekend after as well, and, and doing it as well. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm watching so much MMA and like thinking about more how people's bodies are actually affected by sports. The fact they're doing I that so with, much. With rugby, the the NFL and the rugby concussions and like you know a guy who went I went to school with. He was a couple of years ahead, Luke Fitzgerald or not Luke Fitzgerald, was it uh, McLaughlin, Kevin McLaughlin? Mm-hmm. He had to retire at like 29 from Leinster and from rugby in general because of concussions. So. It's, like, I think that kind of makes it more people are more coughed onto it as well. And obviously in MMA, it's it's. It's a known thing as well, and mm. it's kind of a known thing in all sports now. We talked about Alan Shearer's documentary with football and heading the ball and stuff, so it's kind of more in the consciousness now, I think. Yeah, 100%. And like, I think as well with MMA, it's kind of more visible. You know, when someone gets knocked out, you kind of see it and like, fuck that. And usually, you know, we saw Michael Bisping getting, and he wasn't even knocked out against GSP. You know, everyone was consternation about him coming back to fight Kelvin Gastelum so quickly. Like, these things are happening in rugby all the time. When you know, we know that these uh, these studies that are coming out talking about, yeah. you know, it's not just hits to the head that are affecting you. It's like hits to the body. It's kind of the vibrations coming up. And like, that's way worse in rugby, I think, than probably any other sport. So 
I don't know. It's it's kind of the sad thing when you <laughs> and it's weird. It's a, it's when you get kind of educated on this uh, thing and hear you know this subject and hear more about it that it kind of hurts your enjoyment of watching the sport. And I don't know for MMA, it just maybe hasn't. Maybe I'm just blind to it a little bit more in MMA and choose to be that way. But in <laughs> rugby, yeah, in, in rugby, I obviously see it that way. But anyway, that was. Uh, that was an odd discussion to start off the back. Let's, let's, now that we're talking about Ireland, <laughs> Ireland and Irish sport, let's talk about probably the best weekend for, for Irish MMA, you know, arguably since UFC Dublin. You know, not just on an individual. But since the but, Eddie Alvarez thing, maybe. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez fight was kind of a accumulation of, of, of something. But yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, as, a, as a, just not one person. I know everybody mm-hmm. kind of, kind of sees himself as part of them. A lot of people see themselves as part of the McGregor thing, but the, the Dublin thing really uh, embodied a lot or brought in a lot of people and mm-hmm. a lot of people who had been going to these small MMA shows for years with no, with no like mainstream coverage and people thinking it's really weird. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a cult kind of job. Yeah. It was kind of like these people were kind of, they kind of felt justified they kind of felt proven right that mm-hmm. it was kind of worth that these guys they've been talking about Paddy Houlihan you know Ashing Daly wasn't there but she got in soon after and Pendred and all of them Neil Seary uh, Norman Park so I think yeah I think you know, we're probably missing out on something there's been there's been in the, around the Mendez camp I think Franz won gold and Sinead won gold Mm-hmm. Or did Sinead win gold? I think she did. Maybe it was silver. I can't remember now. Yeah. But there was it was a similar thing. But it's it's been the first kind of one in a while. Like and uh, people like Lee Hammond obviously been been touted, and Alexander O'Sullivan's been around for ages. It's good to see these guys getting a bit of shine. Like you know these these guys who have been we've been watching on the the amateur scene and turned pro for the last while, mm-hmm, yeah. last few years. Obviously, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, the IWMAFs, MMA World Amateur Championships were this weekend. Ireland took home three goals with Lee Hammond, Ryan Spillane, Ger Harris, Silvers with Paddy Wilkinson and Trevor McKingo, and Bronze with Alexander O'Sullivan, D. Begley, and Patrick Lehan as well. So phenomenal, what was that, eight medals coming from the Irish team and like it's it's just been a a great weekend. You know, we talk a lot about Ireland and Irish MMA, obviously, on, on this podcast, and you know the scene kind of slowing. And for for this to happen, you know, eight medals coming out of the the IMF Championships. You know, to a lot of people that mightn't seem like much, but to Irish MMA, I think it's it's big for Irish MMA because you can look at that and you know if and, and I'm you know if you're going to Shane Ross or if you're going to the government and saying is this a sport, you know, and I I know you kind of made that a joke, but if you know if they're doing that, if the the IWMWA are doing that and, and need something to say, look, you can bring this. We won three gold medals. Like if this turns into an Olympic sport, we're up there. We could win medals in this. Like this is Ireland are, are have always had a rich history of combat sports you know we've won more medals in boxing than we have in any other um olympic sport you know and mma it looks like we have a hotbed for you uh, know so that's only because they won't include gaelic and make us the world champions. that is true that is limerick obviously and dublin as well we're both the world champions but anyway like you know ireland in, in with kind of young people coming through you know thanks to mcgregor and even but you know before mcgregor and stuff like that it's it seems to be you know kind of a hotbed for amateur mma and stuff and despite despite the scene you know you can obviously speak about this more than me but the scene you know it used to be a vibrant scene uh there used to be lots of, of amateur fights and you know there still is we have Show cage legacy yeah we'll have yeah. cage legacy in a couple of weeks and stuff but other than that there really isn't much Tell, just talk about the like the differences between now and how it used to be with the amateur scene before and how this is such a, a great achievement that with the lack of an amateur scene um they, they still went down and won this yeah it used to be it used to be pretty cheap to put on one of these kind of amateur shows you'd I rented a small venue, like maybe in, in the Regency or 
out in out in Dunleary. I can't remember the name of the venue there where Man of War used to be, or well, just get one of these small small arenas, and you don't have to pay the guys. You just put on a bit of a few a few a few doctors, a few a few nurses, DMTs, and a cage and a few seats, and that was all you needed. Now it's a lot more. You need you need mm-hmm. you need a trauma room. Apparently, it costs about ten grand extra. I've heard I heard around. Maybe it's cheaper now because it's at the start. Maybe people have worked out cheaper ways to do it or better deals, but it's still much more expensive. And it's understandable, you know. These shows aren't, even at the time when they were putting on shows for next to nothing, they weren't making much money, you know. You're selling 20 euro, 30 euro tickets uh, to friends and family and that couple of hardcore fans, and that's it. Like, so the insurance for the place, the arena, the cage, it doesn't it doesn't add up to much. It definitely, I, I don't think many shows were taking home 10 grand and could, just, could justify, a promoter could justify putting on Putting on a show now with amateurs because mm-hmm. it's hard to have it's hard to have a it's hard to have a successful promotion <laughs> in, yeah. in Ireland. You can have it in Northern Ireland or the UK much much easier. So that's what they're doing, and um, and it, it makes sense. But it, it just makes it a lot harder for the these Irish guys to, to hop on shows and maybe like every month or two for for years there was a show. Maybe it wasn't a big show. Maybe it was an amateur show, a Man of War, or a Rumble and Rush, or whatever. But it was a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, like what Cage Legacy, that's about it. Really, <laughs> that's I think, it. Yeah, that is really the it. at the odd time. Uh, Cage Warriors haven't been here in ages. Makes sense though, because they can put on shows in the UK. And it makes no difference, you know. Okay, the Irish scene suffers, but they're not. Cage Warriors aren't in the the business of making sure the Irish scene is as healthy as it can be. Mm-hmm, 100 and uh, you know i suppose we, we've talked about this loads of times and how maybe things can change and how things maybe won't change and until different things happen but i suppose for, for this week you know you mentioned lee hammond there obviously he was kind of the headliner Conor mcgregor tweeting out about him and stuff you know lee is kind of jujitsu expert we've we've known about lee for years and you know yeah, obviously exactly, yeah. the first first uh, amateur fight mm-hmm, exactly and he's you know he, he's looked great ryan spillan looks like a really good heavyweight prospect as well you know coming through obviously he's his final uh his opponent failed to make way uh failed to make the scale the even way. yeah so yeah it was, it was good win for him and jar harris as well the other gold medalist in the in the juniors yeah. you know we had a charlestown with roddy yeah, yeah this guy everyone raves about him you know i saw him belong cork as well choking a guy to to sleep this guy looks really, really good. So you know, I, I think Patrick Foran has uh, has kind of trained with him as well, who works for, for Severe and has has done a couple of videos and stuff on him as well. And you know, he's always always raving about him. So you know, Jer Harris is one of these guys coming through that looks unbelievably good. You know, Owen Roddy as well. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of it's been a big few months, hasn't it, for like the emerging coaches like Owen Roddy and, and uh, Chris Fields as well. You know, Chris Fields said Ian Gary won as well last night. This guy looks. This guy looks different level. I was talking, PT was kind of telling me about him there the other day, sending me on videos of him and stuff, so I shout out to PT, but this guy looks really, really good. You know, I think he's a judo black belt, uh, something like 40 or 50 uh, kickboxing fights, and he's just destroying guys at amateur MMA and looks to be improving an awful lot as well. So, you know, these guys coming through, you know, maybe we had a bit of a, not, not a lull, but a bit of a gap between, like, you know the the McGregor Daly Pinger era, and then like the you know the Kiefer Crosby Reese McKee yeah, type of era. Think about it. How many yeah. how many years behind the scenes did like Ashing Daly and Carl Pender and, exactly, and yeah. Conor McGregor and Paddy all these guys Chris Field all these guys put in what ten years nearly mm-hmm. eight eight ten years before you know uh, John Kavanaugh I think said oh it's a people were talking about Conor McGregor being an overnight success when he when he 
came in against Brimage and did that. And he's, he's like, yeah, he's an overnight success after 11 years of training. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just because people didn't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. And these guys need time. Like, okay, the spotlight's on them much more than it was on the previous generation. And that's going to lead to pressure. And it's going to maybe lead to them being offered bigger fights and maybe fights that are too soon for them to take. And it's, it's hard to turn them down, especially if it's a big show and you need money. And, <laughs> you know, this is a very short window of, of a career mm-hmm. to make money. Um, and you guys need bills to pay. Like we, uh, I think we talked about in the podcast before, and I hope Pendred's all right. All right, we were just talking about it. But <laughs> like, I remember when Pen, one time, I think we were going to Pendred's gaff. I think we were, we were doing an interview, or we, we must be doing an interview, or maybe we were just filming with him. Mm-hmm. And he was, I think we were just filming with him actually, and maybe he was on the MMA. Or I might be mixing up two two different days. But anyway, we were going back to his house, and he was like. I really hope the electricity's working here, lads. <laughs> like, you know, I haven't, I haven't been able to pay this. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's like, and people think, oh, it's great for these guys. They got loads of sponsors. They don't really like, okay, these guys, these new guys have better opportunities because of these Conor McGregor's and other, other uh, Neil series, fucking Norman Park, all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still aren't making loads. Like, they're not <laughs> rolling in the money. Like, they're, they're not buying houses or cars. They're, 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 struggling a lot of them they're struggling so it's hard to turn down it's hard to turn down these fights they get rushed in quicker they have more opportunities because of the the popularity of of conor mcgregor and mm-hmm. and i think i think it's hard like it is hard not to take those fights like joe mcculgan got offered these big fights against creely okay he went in and won then he went arnold queros and he went in and lost mm-hmm. but like you know you i want to know two and oh two and one these aren't fights you really should be taking but mm-hmm. You got to take what you, you can get, really, because you got bills to pay. <laughs> so, uh, this this new generation definitely have a bit of a, an advantage. And they're not like well, maybe they are some of them, but a lot of them aren't worrying about if the electricity is going to be working because they have a little bit better sponsors. But it's it's tough times. Like if you can't get fights on shows, like promoters don't want to fly you over to the UK because they can get a, a UK fighter to get a fucking train down or a bus down or whatever. So or can drive down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's tough out there, and these MMAs are a great opportunity to kind of show what you got. Like, uh, okay, you're wearing it's it's the same in Ireland. You have to wear shin guards and and rash guards and stuff. It's a little bit different than pro MMA, but it's a it's a great experience. And having to weigh in and and fight regularly as well. Just I think I think okay, maybe a lot of guys get injured, or I don't know what happened to Ryan Spillane's uh, opponent, but maybe he was too injured or couldn't make the weight again, even though it's heavyweight, you know. Uh, the situation is going to happen where maybe the best guy doesn't win the tournament, but mm-hmm. it's a great experience. And if you do win it, it does say a lot about you because it's it's mentally very hard to make weight, mentally and physically very hard to make weight and fight that often. And you're going to be carrying injuries. And it's a good experience for these guys because at amateur, like once you, once you turn pro, nobody talks about your amateur record unless it's maybe like Fabian Edwards or something where it's 10 and 0. Mm-hmm. They only talk about it when it's positive. They don't talk, oh, this guy was 5 and 5 at amateur. If you're 12 and 0, nobody cares about that. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's talking about that. So it's, it's a good opportunity to go out there. And it's experience like fighting with injuries, making weight, being in a different country like Bahrain or wherever it is. Like, it's, it's a great experience. And when you, especially when you come back with the gold medal, it's just going to give you a lot more confidence. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I suppose before we we move on from kind of the local scene to to the UFC, the Cage Warriors had a, a a good show this this weekend. Uh, James Webb, obviously another Chris Fields trend fighter, had a had a big win there. Uh, Corey Ted as well came back uh, after a few years yeah. out and had a win there. What about this? Um, did you hear about this Nathan Grayson Blaine O'Driscoll uh, deal obviously Nathan Grayson I believe is the, the cage warrior is 125 pound champion he talked to Pizzi uh, a couple of weeks ago and basically told him that he wasn't going to make weight for the money they were offering him um, because the 125 pound ex- no but the, uh, just let me explain his reason first the 
obviously he his kind of reasoning is the UFC got rid of the 125 pound um, division and he no longer has any motivation to make 125 pounds so he just kind of didn't bother showing up for the fight which I, I'm, you signed a contract yeah, though you signed a contract you're a man of your word you turn up yeah I, I can see it from his point of view that like if you're not giving him that much money why why should he do that but I can also see it from and I probably agree with the other point of view that like why did you sign the contract and as well for Ben O'Driscoll it's not just because he's Irish or anything I'd say this was an Irish guy doing English guys like it's really really bad on him very very unprofessional I'm thinking like okay who's, who's going to sign this guy again you know if he's that unprofessional a week out or two weeks out from a fight just not going to bother making it when he is your champion that seems like a guy who you know who i wouldn't want to promote and who guys wouldn't probably want to offer big money to actually fight for him because he's even going to bother turning up so well, yeah, what was your taking were you you t- obviously think it was very unprofessional as well yeah yeah i think if you signed the contract like you gotta have respect for the other guy as well mm-hmm. like okay if you have a bad injury and it may affect you in the fight okay i can understand maybe you could have fought but you you just have a lot of respect for the opponent and you want you have your goal set on the UFC or whatever you have your goal set on. I can understand that, but the division isn't even gone from the UFC, so uh, officially, anyway, like there's, there's a fight lined up, so uh, it doesn't really make much sense to me. Yeah, it, it definitely is a weird one. I mean, look, hopefully, Blender just gets another fight uh, pretty soon, and maybe on Cage Warriors 100, even if he can get a vacant uh, title fight there or something. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he does that. But a uh, good weekend for for Irish MMA anyway, and for for European local uh, MMA. All right, let's get to this Cage Warriors card from Argentina. Actually, turned out to be uh, a pretty good card. I oh, think before you, before you go on to that, actually, Keen Cowley. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. Go on. Oh, yeah. It, really really impressive for him. I actually meant to bring that up sorry I, I've written down in my notes I would have got it later on anyway. but yeah King Cowley looked great uh, beat up his opponent leg kicks knocked him down finished him with ground upon it was really it was uh, maybe a coming of age is, is a bit uh, is a bit soon but it looked like he was more comfortable in there than he ever was before didn't it yeah he looked comfortable in his last brave fight when he when it hit the ground as well and in this fight okay he had your man's legs crippled but he looked comfortable on top. He, like you, you, a lot of times when a striker comes in, they're kind of wary of the ground, but he seems to be embracing it. And mm-hmm. maybe he got in there a bit too early at the start, but maybe that was a lesson he needed to learn that he needed to put a lot more errors into, into this jujitsu and wrestling and and everything else. So yeah, those leg kicks are vicious. And I think um, Hardy Hardy Bray is like you know he has a good amateur record. We're talking about amateur records. Nobody really cares about them when they're bad, but he has a good one and he's a, he's a good fighter himself. Uh, he just got ran ran over those leg kicks. He just couldn't handle them uh, from the start. And once once he dropped, Keane was was had the killer instinct to get on top of him and looked very comfortable there. And I think it was a good stoppage from the ref and a, a really good performance from from Cowley. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like obviously a lot of people know Keane Cowley from obviously being in court with McGregor and all like that. But you know if if. Okay, we talked about that before and loads of times. If you look at him as an actual fighter and the way you know the way he speaks and stuff, a lot of people are very. I am as well, very impressed with Keen Cowley. You know, after his loss he had there, what maybe a year ago or something like that, he seemed to like, you know, take it very well and spoke about how he needs to improve his ground game and all. I think it was like maybe two weeks after I was at uh, Cage Legacy Blown Cork and he was doing a grappling match. You know, that's the sort of thing you need to do if you're a striker. You obviously everyone knows Keen Cowley. He's a decorated striker, and as we saw at the, the weekend, a really good kickboxer and stuff. And obviously, you know. Getting getting into you know jujitsu uh, tournaments and and you know matches in just in a cage maybe like like they have at Cage Legacy that's that's big as well you know I, I heard Brad Warren talk about it on on Cage Warriors commentary as well that Chris Fields does that with a lot of his guys as well you know maybe sends them to you know if they're grappler sends them to do Muay Thai uh, fights or, or kickboxing fights and if they're striker send them to do jujitsu things like that so King Cowley always he always to me speaks well when he's talking about fighting and speaks and how you know he had that, that famous kind of line that I, I'll smile when I'm rich or something. 
<laughs> or something like that, which you know, which which you like to see. And you know, we, you yeah. know, we talk a lot about guys. Oh, maybe they're getting the money now and they they don't care about it. Like he seems definitely like one who tries to improve. You know, maybe you know everyone's not going to get there, but he seems like one who who has his heart set in it and and you know who has kind of the the mental mindset to get there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's very focused. Uh, I spent a bit of time with him when I was over in New York, uh, filming filming uh, for the court cases, and over in Vegas there for the Habib fight. And he, you know, we're in the the fighter house afterwards, and himself and Lee Hammond are wrestling. They're even when they're in the pool, they're wrestling, they're grappling. They're Keen's showing Lee striking stuff. Uh, Lee showing Keen grappling stuff like the it's constantly on their mind they're they're obsessed with it and that's the kind of mindset you need to have you need to be fully focused on okay keen has other things going on he has a he has a striking gym but that's on like teaching kids how to teaching kids and and up-and-coming fighters how to do the basics is gonna make you even better like things like leg kicks like they're, they're very basic but when you get them really really down when you get them really good you, you can take a guy out in the first round with leg kicks like he did mm-hmm did yesterday and they seem like basic things and fundamentals but when you have the fundamentals right it's a really really good good basis to build on mm-hmm. yeah 100 and that's I a good chris fields yeah. chris fields talked about this before that when he started coaching he just kind of he'd gotten sloppy with a couple of the fundamentals and yeah, uh, just without, without thinking and then he's teaching the kids he's like oh yeah like i need to get back to doing that myself 100 mm-hmm. and that's a good segue to, to take us on to this ufc argentina main event because it was really santiago panzanibio really won this fight with fundamentals with that leg kick with his jab with cutting off the cage i know that that was kind of that was kind of basically it picking his shots very well as well like I tweeted it last night that, you know, Magni seemed to be playing a long game. And I thought that's what he was doing, you know, waiting for Ponzinibbio to kind of blow himself out a little bit, waiting for him to throw all his big shots. But Ponzinibbio was really, really smart. And, you know, I really, you know, we've seen Ponzinibbio has been intelligent before, but I don't think we've seen as intelligent a display from him as we saw last night. You know, he picked his shots. He threw the big shots when he saw the opening. But, he, you know, he didn't go looking for it. Yeah, very, very, very patient. You know, cut off the cage really well. Didn't let Magni get out. Blasted him with that leg kick. And the leg kick is a great shot when you're playing a guy, playing against a guy, or fighting against a guy even, who's very, very defensive and looking to play the long game, you know. It's very hard to play the long game when you're getting your leg fucking beat off you for, for a round and a half. It's very, very difficult. And I think that was... That was, you know, really the game plan of, of Ponzinibbio. To go in there, realise what Magni was going to do. He was going to wait and wait and wait and wait till you get tired and then come on and try to win. And he, you know, he kind of took that option away from him and there was really no plan B there for Magni. Was it, to, you know, to me, this did, it wasn't a great fight, but it stood out uh, as a great performance from, from Ponzinibbio. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I didn't, it wasn't like a great fight. It wouldn't be like, oh, you need to watch this fight, but it was a, it was a good fight. Like, uh, kept you entertained the whole time. Like, uh once he he hurt Magni to the right eye, I think in the first round, and he maybe in the past he would have kind of went balls out and tired himself out. Ponzinibbio would have, but he didn't. He was relaxed. He, he Magni was worried about the, the or pawing at the eye while he was doing worrying about his eye. He was getting kicked in the leg and just mixing it up and not being one dimensional, which I think Ponzinibbio kind of you could accuse him of being in the past a bit one dimensional. His grappling, his defensive wrestling seems a lot better in in, pre, in recent fights as well. So I think he's evolving. He's evolving nicely and maybe in the past he, he didn't show yeah 100% and it's it's Magni's kind of in a or um, Pontanibio even is kind of in a difficult uh, situation right at the moment because you know it looks like Tyron Woodley's going to fight uh, Colby Covington and he's you know he's down rankings at number 10 but I think he'll climb o- over that you know Magni was obviously at 8 and I think he should probably probably climb over the likes of, of Maya and stuff like that and, you know we'll talk about uh, soon uh, Cameron Usman is obviously fighting against Rafael Dos Anjos I believe it is in, in, in a couple of weeks as well but I think Pontanibio is a guy you know you look at you look at that welterweight division and you 
and I always do this, like, looking at for Tyron Woodley, and, like, who's going to beat Tyron Woodley? Like, Colby, is he going to beat Tyron Woodley? No, Darren Till obviously already beat him. Dos Anjos, no, I don't think he is. You know, Wonderboy, we're probably not going to see that fight again. Robbie Lawler, I think he's past it now. He's not going to beat him. Usman, maybe in a year or two, but I don't think he's there yet. Maya's not going to beat him. Magni's not going to beat him. Masvidal, definitely not going to beat him. Ben Askew, dude. Ben Askew. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> then you're down to Pontinibio. Like, I think... T to me, and I tweeted last night, and maybe this is recency bias, but I, I don't think it actually is. I actually think Ponzinibbio might have the best chance of anyone in that, that top 10 of beating Tyron Just because he hits hard, just because he can pick his shots, just because he can push a guy back. Like, if you don't push Tyron Woodley back, you're you're really in, in trouble. Um, And, you know, you have to be able to pick your shots as well. Something that Wonderboy is really good at doing, but didn't do it that well against uh, against uh, Tyron Woodley. And maybe didn't have the power to knock him out like a Ponzinibbio would have. So, yeah, I think Ponzinibbio is going to pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that, that, to me, that's an intriguing fight. You think, like, out of them guys there, is there anyone who would have a better chance of beating Woodley than Ponzinibbio or am I gone mad? Maybe Usman, but it's, it's hard to know where Usman is. Uh, he hasn't really been challenged. He hasn't really been put in bad situations to see how he react. but uh, Ponzinibbio kind of, maybe if he keeps evolving, maybe in a couple of fights or even one more fight. I know Neil Magny is like a, he's been in the top 10 for a long time and he's ridiculous UFC rankings, but I think he's deserved to be there. Mm -hmm. Um and he's he's no mug and he he Pantanibio kind of had no trouble going through him, so he's definitely he's definitely uh, improving. Which maybe maybe if we just wait another fight or two, he he might have a much better chance against Woodley. Like if you put him in there now, I'm I'm definitely picking Woodley. But if you put Pantanibio in there against a Robbie Dollar or a, a Wonder Boy or somebody like that, and he and he uh, and he can win, then. Then yeah, well like who else are you gonna put in there? Because mm -hmm. yeah. you said like Usman maybe, but besides that. Yeah, it's. It, I really like this. I just kind of want to get out of this Colby fight because <laughs> I have no interest in seeing this Colby Covington fight. I think it's such an easy fight for Tyron Woodley, and I, I'd much rather see Pontinibio. But look, we, we'll see about that. Neil Magny as well. I think Neil, Neil Magny versus Darren Till might be a good fight. You know, Darren Till's talking a lot about, you know, come big fights and maybe Askren or someone like that. But Is he going to go to 85, though? I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's actually true. But I, I, I don't know. I think, I think one more. Uh, one more fight at, at 170 wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst for him. If he went to 85, I'd be happy with that as well. But I think Neil, Neil Magny would be a good fight for him. You know, Neil Magny is a guy that's just... He's going to stick around the UFC for, for years, isn't he? And, you know, it's it's difficult because Neil Magny is... He seems like one of the hardest working guys in the UFC and fights a lot and always does well. It's always a t tough matchup for guys, but he's just... He's not that upper echelon as, as you'd say of, of fighters where you know whether it's athletically or technically and i think he's kind of reached his peak at this stage i don't think he'll get any further uh but you know that's it might seem unfortunate but i think he's probably got further than a lot of people and maybe himself would would uh, you know would have even expected yeah i think so yeah um he, he's good everywhere he's not great anywhere but he's good everywhere and he'll, he'll if, you, if you have a flaw in your game he, he's been in the past he's been good at exploiting it mm -hmm. And maybe Pontinibio, if if Pontinibio had a fought Magni two or three years ago, he might have he might have been wrestled and he might have lost. But it just shows how how, how much uh, Ponzi, as you call him, mm -hmm. has because uh, Magni's no joke. Like Magni, like if you do have a flaw, he, he'll he'll he's pretty good at finding a way to to exploit that. Hundred mm -hmm, percent. Uh, all right, let's talk about a few of the other fights uh, on this card. Um, my boy Darren Elkins was fucking robbed against Ricardo Lamas. Mm -hmm. 
fuck's sake. I don't think you can take it. Can you take into like? Can you take you? You, you tweeted, "Oh, it's Darren Elkins ref," but you can't. That's not part of the. You, you have to I, take it on. You do, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was Darren Elkins. I, 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 I thought it was a little bit too early. I think it was a, maybe a little bit, but I, I, a, a few seconds before, I was thinking, I, he's not coming back from this, and in in my mind, I will give Darren Elkins a little bit more slack mm-hmm. than the other fighters, but still thought it was. It was a matter of time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought I thought he was still fighting. I thought he was taking lots of damage. But this is, you know, this is MMA, uh, you know, after all. And he was he was still in there. He was still fighting. You know, I do, I I think he was still intelligently defending himself. I think he was still fighting. And uh, you know, this is not a sport. I'd have more problem with it if he if he was like a round or two up, or if it was even. And it was it was it was like if he had to survive the scorecards, who would have known which way would have would have would have went? But. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's part of the, the thinking of the refs. But uh, like, I could see why people thought it was early, and maybe it was a little early. But I, yeah, I, I I, was, yeah, was, I agree. I, I wouldn't call it a bad stoppage at all. It's more. It was kind of. I was more joking than anything else. But it was. It was a kind of a fifty-fifty-one. You know, if we had that side of it more than the other side of it, you know, rather than too late, I, I take that every time. And I think Peter Keith Peterson's actually a fantastic referee as well. And one of these guys like Jason Herzog that maybe doesn't get enough praise. So I, I'm I'm not criticizing him or anything, but I just think it was it, it was uh, a tad early. But it was a it was a good fight. You know, you, you said there could it which way could it have gone gone to the judges? I I don't. I think it would have gone to Lamas, but I think it was it was on the edge until maybe a couple of minutes before that because I thought the first round was was very close. I would maybe just edge it to Darren Elkins. I saw most people were edging to Elkins. The second round in, obviously, Lamas came on close to a 10-8, but probably a 10-9. And then the, the, maybe the first couple of minutes of the fifth round, Elkins was maybe just about winning them or, you know, a little bit even. But then Lamas took over and he was definitely winning the fight. And if it had gone to the scorecards, uh, he would have won it as well. But I, I, like, I thought Darren Elkins fought really well in the first round here. And... You know, better maybe than he he kind of ever has before against this level of of opponent. I know you're not the biggest uh, Ricardo Lamas fan, but I think Ricardo Lamas is a very good fighter. I think he's he's you know. Oh, he is good. But people were like talking about uh, McGregor's running from this guy and like uh, the wrestling and uh, he's good. He's kind of like a magnet. He's good everywhere, but he's not great anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's a little bit better than Magnet. I think he's a better athlete than Magnet. I think he he hits harder. I think he's a better wrestler. But yeah, he's it's just. I think people underestimate how good that lower weight classes actually are, like how good Jose Aldo actually was, how good Chad Mendez actually is, and, you know, Conor McGregor back in the day, and Frank Yeager, and Max Holloway, and all this, and, you know, obviously the, the flyweights as well, which we probably won't talk about this week, but we've talked about every other week, but, you know, Lamas is, you know, to be Derek Lewis looks like a good fighter at heavyweight, even though if Derek Lewis was a featherweight, he probably wouldn't even be in the UFC because he'd be so bad. Like, you know, they, it's, it's, it's that. Yeah, there's a lot of divisions where if they were in a different different size, a lot of fighters in division, in the heavy division, heavyweight division that wouldn't be in the UFC if they, if they were uh, featherweight with those abilities and then the technical ability that they have. Yeah, it's it's difficult too to know what to do with with Ricardo Lamas, isn't it? Like he he came, he was coming from two losses in a row. Obviously, last one to my boy Mirsad Bektic as well, so he's getting one back against Team Sheehan. But I think Frank Yeager makes sense for <laughs> Ricardo Lamas here. What do you think? Um, yeah, I wouldn't be against it. It's it's not a matchup that excites me though. I'm not like oh, make that match, you know. Uh, but I, I, like if it was on, I'd I'd be I'd happily watch it, like a lot of fights. But um. I don't know what you do with somebody like Ricardo Lamas, who's who's kind of perennially, 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 no, I can't say the word. 
perennially. Yeah, mm. friendly. Uh, outside the upper echelon, but in the top five or ten. And he's kind of already fought a lot of the guys around there. It's, it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank Yeager. I think we kind of excited. Like, but I suppose uh, Frank Yeager and Ricardo Lamas could headline a, a like UFC fight night, like like the Argentina one or even a slightly bigger one. Yeah, one in fucking Boise, Idaho, or like somewhere in or, Philadelphia. Long Island for yeah. fucking Frank Yeager fans. Or sounds like a plan. New Jersey or whatever, yeah. Sounds like a plan. Uh, I suppose the other big story from this card was was Cynthia Calvillo almost, well, she did miss weight, but almost kind of falling onto the scale uh, and then coming in and getting a good win over Pollyanna Botelho. Uh, she basically caught a leg kick, uh, took her down, and rear naked choked her. Look, it was... It's it's a difficult one to talk about, obviously, because I've talked about weight cutting so many times. I absolutely hate it. I think they need to just find a way to get rid of it. But she, look, the thing about this is, the, all these people look bad getting on the scale. Obviously, Calvillo looked worse, but they do improve. You know, when they when they get their water on board, and the fact that they have like thirty or thirty six hours of water, whatever it is now, I think they can improve well enough to fight because of that that longer thing. But like that's it's such the wrong arguments to be having you know it's the, everything with weight cutting is just the wrong argument like people talking about what's oh, the fighter's responsibility you know and okay that is true but you need to take away that responsibility from them do people not realize like the fighters will do everything to get an edge you know we, we talked about this you know with, with keen cowley earlier how he's you know going doing grappling matches and putting in the effort and, you know getting mentally strong that's not just every fighter you know, they do everything to get that little bit of an edge you're telling me, like, if if you were weighing maybe, like, one, you know, 180, okay, uh, will I fight at 170 and cut down 10 pounds, or will I try to get down to 150? Fuck it, I'll try to get down, you know, I'll, I'll die a little bit, and I'll just cut that extra. What about this? Yeah. What about this, uh, I think it was Brave, I was watching a couple of different shows, I think it was the Brave show where I was waiting for the Cowley fight, mm-hmm. they were talking about one guy came in overweight, and they, if you come in overweight, you start a round down. <sighs> I, I just, I don't think we should weigh anyone, I just... I just well, like then it was, like if the guy's gonna try and cut thirty five pounds to make weight, you'd be thinking, oh, if I don't make this, then then I'll uh, then I'll I'll, I'll I'm have a high chance of losing this, or have a much higher chance of losing this fight, and maybe they'll start their their diet or their their weight cut a little bit further out. Uh, but then you might have these guys who are reckless and they they just try to cut a shitload of weight uh, right before like it's happening now, and they're they're more likely to they're more likely to endanger themselves by by keeping cutting mm-hmm. and not seeing a ufc doctor when when the weight cut is is going badly so yeah it's a tough one because guys will always try and get that little advantage wherever they can i just feel like we need to find a new way i like i feel like we need to find like a, a thing where getting on a scale the day before the fight isn't isn't the last step to fighting i feel like we need to you know you take you know, you you take Ricardo Lamas and you measure his muscle density, you measure his hydration, you measure measure his body fat, you measure his height and his weight and everything. And then you say, look, Ricardo Lamas, you're a featherweight and we're going to measure you the week before your fight. We're going to measure you after your fight. We're going to turn up one time during the year. You know, if you come to a fight week in your corner and someone's going to measure you in and see what size you are. Or look, keep it the way we have it for a year, but do it like that for the, that year and measure all these guys what five or six times and find their size. And then look, he's a featherweight and keep measuring him and if he grows and he gets bigger move him up then he's a lightweight but don't have him stand on a scale the day before do these measurements all the time throughout and let him let him go in there and fight each other at at you know whatever weight they are living at as humans like. mm, yeah there's guys will find ways around like there's always loopholes and guys will find ways to gain that little tiny advantage 
What, what do you think of like having to step on the scale as you walk into the cage? Like I've seen an argument for that, and like uh, I think the argument for it is people wouldn't be stupid enough to it's cut weight getting though, into bro, the like, scale. Yeah, but the I think see in Nevada and all these commissions don't want McGregor versus Khabib falling apart as they walk into the cage. Exactly, that's that's, that's <laughs> the big issue with it. Like, would would people be that fucking stupid? Like that that's the issue because you're stuck in that rock and hard place because people will be that fucking stupid. We just know it. Like people are fucking idiots. Like and will you know the vast majority probably won't. But then you'll have a big fight and people will follow. You know people can't be can't be trusted. Like look at the likes of John Lineker, who, you know constantly misses weight or Anthony Johnson back in the day who was always missing weight and it took him years to move up in weight like these things these will, will just happen like this this uh tj dillisha uh henry cejudo fight as well I, I i don't know i just keep thinking in my head this is going to be the first title fight and i think it's I, I could be wrong but i think it is the first title fight where both lads miss weight i have a feeling that's going to happen at 135 because henry cejudo struggles to get down there and i'm sure he's been thinking about 135 and you know tj dillisha looks absolutely ripped at 135 pounds and he's gone down to 125 pounds like this is just, I'm. This is if disaster. Weight, if Hudo misses weight, uh, he's basically given Dan a perfect excuse to be like, "It's done. This division yeah. is done." Hundred percent. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we look. This fucking weight cutting is the bane of our lives. Anyway, anything else on that card uh, stand out to you? I know Johnny Walker got a, a vicious, maybe one of the most yeah. vicious knockout elbow knockouts I've ever seen. Like mm. uh, he was pacing in the clinch, and you think he's gonna throw knees, but he just showed little short elbows. The first one rocked round three, and second one put him down like uh, it was impressive and you don't really see that much anymore like you see Anderson Silva try to do it like but you don't really see much of the, the prolonged clinch like that anymore mm-hmm. yeah 100% yeah very impressive and Khalil Roundtree I, I like Khalil Roundtree I think he will improve and become a, a even better fighter but uh, sometimes I think he may be a little bit too relaxed he reminds me a little bit of a Luke Rockhall obviously not at his uh, level yet but seems to have, be very very talented and athletically very good but then kind of just his maybe his mind lets him down a little bit, but maybe that's something he can he can improve on as well. And Cesar Ferreira is like seems like the opposite. He's been, he's a bit of a, a Benil Darius Muchanches. He goes in there and he looks really good at the start, and then maybe he gets a little bit tired. And there's nobody in MMA who almost shows it as badly as Muchanches does. You know, if he gets hit once and if he gets tired, he looks like he's absolutely dead on his feet. Where you know he can, he can keep fighting. Obviously, he got the decision here. With Ian Heinish looked looked look pretty good coming in here, and and he's obviously a a big prospect as well. A lot of people talking about him, but you know. It, it was a, it was a pretty good main card and in on the undercard. Um, well, Michelle Prezera's gone in there getting a big knockdown, with, you know, inside about what maybe twenty seconds or something like that, and then getting a guillotine choke over Bartos uh, Fabinski, uh, Alexandra Petoja, Obviously, uh, our MMA people yeah. know him beating Neil Siri. Went in there and, and rear naked choked Ulster Sasaki. So he's number fifteen. Number fifteen ranked Neil Siri has a win over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like uh, Pantoja is a guy watching that hashtag fly never die. That I just. I just don't want this division team. I want to see more of Pantoja. Like, this guy is really good, isn't he? I'd love to see him fighting the top guys. I think he's improving an awful lot. And, and he could threaten, you know, obviously Dimitri Johnson's gone now, but he could threaten uh, Henry Sahoud or, or you know, some of the top guys in the future, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. Like, and it, it, there's a lot of guys in that division that are, like, we we're kind of talking about the technique at the, the, the higher division being bad. So good. The guys with great technique, like Pantoja, who nobody really knows except for hardcore May fans that are really well rounded, really good technically. And, and he, he he's got he seems to have that killer instinct as well. Like he he's a definitely a prospect. But where does he? Yeah, what does he do from here? We don't know what's happening with the division. It seems to be kind of half gone, half not. Mm-hmm. But time will tell, I suppose, what, what what will happen with the division. Yeah, that's true. Nadin Armani, I actually didn't see the the first fight of the night, but Nadin Armani got a decision win. Yeah, I saw bits uh, and pieces of it. 
grinding grinding a guy out again kind of like Nad Armani does like Nad Armani's a really good guy as well maybe a little bit underrated a bit a bit under maybe the Carl Pindred mode you know pull guys to the ground and make it fucking hard on him and hit him hard you know when when he gets the chance and that that type of Point grind and, yeah exactly that might sound negative to some people. And that's not uh, one bit negative for me. I think that's a very uh, you know positive thing. If someone can fight to their strengths, that is huge. And uh, you know a lot of people aren't maybe intelligent enough to do that. And I think that Narani is Carl Pinder was back in the day as well. And John Fitch, John Fitch got two title shots out of fighting to his strengths. When he exactly. Really like not that talented technically at MMA. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, let's move on. Before we get to next week's UFC cards and stuff, we have a few things to talk about here. Uh, what about this Cowboy Cerrone Conor McGregor thing? Do you think there's any chance of this actually happening? Um, there's, uh, I think there's a chance, but I don't think it's close. Like people are saying, there's still suspensions for from yeah. the UFC two two nine and all all this all these kind of things going on. But like, it's it's a definitely a fight that would sell. I don't think it would sell anywhere anywhere near a Habib fight or an ADS fight. But but I don't, like. Do you think it can headline a pay per view, or do you think it'll go in as oh, maybe a comment event or something? McGregor will always headline, I think. Yeah. But it's him versus Cowboy in a non-title fight. Like, would would the UFC do that? You roll the you roll the promo. From, you have a lot of them back going back and forth over the years, and you have like the good highlights from Cerrone, good highlights from McGregor. You can sell that people, people casual fans know who Cerrone is. Well, some of them do anyway because he's a character. It, it makes a little bit of sense, but it makes sense. It makes sense in a lot of ways, but I don't see it being close and. I don't see it doing the numbers of some other fights that that might hold it back from from happening. I think it actually do pretty well because people do know Cerrone and obviously McGregor is always a draw. And I think titles don't mean anything when you're talking about you know Conor McGregor's level of people or, or Ronda Rousey or Brock Lesnar or whatever. I I honestly don't think that matter at all. And you know that was kind of proven. I think with the Nate Diaz fights, who did you know obviously gangbusters numbers and weren't beaten until obviously the Habib fight when McGregor came out of the the Floyd Mayweather fight, which also had no title on the line. So um, I I think it, it, it did have yeah. some weird belt on the line didn't it yeah didn't the, the money belt boxing. or something though it was a boxing good crack yeah. good crack yeah they should do the money belt for uh they should do the cowboy belt because you see Carl McGregor they, they had that picture of him the other day someone tweeted it to me and I retweeted it with, with a cowboy hat on so it'd be the Irish cowboy against the uh the American <laughs> yeah. the American cowboy so I, I actually think it'd be a good fight I think it's a good fight to get McGregor back into it um you know McGregor's a lot to prove after after his last fight you know and, and I think cowboy would be a good one to maybe prove it again so yeah let's let's make that happen um what about Nate Diaz? No, sorry, Nick Diaz against. Nick, yeah. Where are you at, George? George Masvidal. What? I, I like this <laughs> fight. I, I really like this fight. Uh, I hope it actually happens. Do you think it actually does happen? Yeah, I'd say it will happen. I think both of them guys signed the fight. They it'll take something serious to get them out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it will happen, and it'll be good to see Nick Diaz back. How will he look after years out, years partying? If you follow him on Instagram, his stories are him coming out and in, in and out of bars a lot of the time so he's been enjoying himself for the while but you know when Nick Diaz he's probably up the next morning hung over going for a tra- uh, swimming to Alcatraz or doing a triathlon or yeah. some, some shit so uh, I'd say he's in pretty good Nick I think I think he enjoys he enjoys cardio <laughs> mm-hmm. I, d- I think that's a fight he can probably win as well although he, obviously he's been out a lot he hasn't won a fight in seven years so they're going to be a big decision because it's George Masvidal yeah that's true that's true but I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'd, that's a fight I'd love to see five rounds but 
Obviously, it's, it's probably not going to be, but there, there you go. Uh, favorite Nick Diaz, I think five rounds. It will, oh yeah, I think it would as well. I think Diaz is uh, unbelievable. Go, you know, going that far. Um, Flymouter versus Tinchin Nasaka, whatever the fuck his name is, is back on as well. Three three rounds boxing exhibition. This is probably the, hopefully the last we're going to talk about this because it's boxing and this is an MMA podcast. But how excited are you for this, Graham? I think you were away last week and we didn't talk about it. So Tinchin um, versus McGregor or versus Mayweather. Are you blown Not away by this true. epic exhibition? No. Some guy who fights at like 154 pounds against a guy who fights, or a guy who boxes at 154 pounds against a guy who fights at 125 pounds in a three-round boxing exhibition. <laughs> it's very strange. It is very strange. I don't. I literally couldn't give less of a fuck about this. I, oh god. I, I, I hope it doesn't. I don't care if it happens or not. But like, it's boxing. Thank God. Like, if it was something to do with MMA or some kickboxing, we might have to talk about it or, um, you know, cover it. But Thankfully, it's boxing, so so we won't. It's on paper. You can even do numbers. I don't think it can. I don't know. Mate. I don't know. Ryzen, what? How is Ryzen? You can is Ryzen on pay per view? I don't know. I've, is it going to be Mayweather Promotions and Ryzen? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Who cares? Let's see. Let's move on. Um, next week, okay. Francis Ngannou versus Curtis uh, Blades are, are fighting in mm. the main event over in China. I actually did the rewatch coming up this week. Is is their first fight? Uh, which kind of is, is the fight you kind of expect Francis Ngannou looking very green but landing lots of, of good shots Curtis Blades not being what he is today kind of struggling to get his wrestling off um, and you know not really getting anything off on Francis Ngannou and obviously Francis kind of just beat him into well not submission but yeah, Dr. Stoppage at the end of, of the second round but like coming into this fight it's it's an interesting one like has the gap closed enough between Blades and Ingano? I think it probably has and can Ingano pr- pull the trigger that's, like, that gonna, was the next question yeah th- do you think he can like it's very hard to know I definitely like I, I talk about how losses first loss especially affects a fighter but it's probably the most dramatic effect I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh so I didn't expect that like he expected guy to be maybe a little bit tentative but not just be ter- look terrified to throw a punch um Mm, I think I don't think he'd be. Ba- I don't think he can be back to. He can be, but I don't think he will be back to uh, to what he was before he lost in in this fight. But I I, I can't see him. I, I you'd think that he couldn't possibly be as tentative and and unable to pull the trigger as he was in his last fight. So it's a hard one. Like I definitely would have picked Ngannou, um before before even if even after the loss mm-hmm. uh, before that terrible terrible performance. Uh, okay. In his last fight, but it's really—I just, just don't know what what Angani's going to look like. It's really difficult to know. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's big problems coming into this fight for Ingano because the steeper fight showed he's human and showed that he can be taken down and and laid upon, which Curtis Blades will a hundred percent try to do. And then the Derek Lewis fight showed that he maybe is a little bit mentally weak. So it's there's big big issues here coming in for Francis Ingano. Like I think you have to pick Curtis Blades, and everybody knows I'm a big Francis Ingano fan. But I think you have to pick Curtis Blades coming in here. Now that could be wrong because Francis Ingano could have fixed the you know his mental state. He could have fixed his his physical deficiency or technical not physical deficiency technical deficiencies and come in here. Definitely. and not physical, no, definitely not physical, <laughs> and, and you know, blow Curtis Blades out of it. But I, I think at this point, with the the knowledge that we have, you you know, it, it'd be foolhardy not to pick Blades, which is, it's a bit weird because I I thought Francis Ngannou would be blowing everyone away, and not probably six months ago. But t- you know, things change quickly, and man, they could change back quickly as well. So I suppose this is the reason why why we uh, we have these fights to see what what's actually uh, happening. Um, 
Oh, uh, this is not, it's not the best card in the world, but there's some exciting fighters in this. Obviously, Alistair Overeem uh, is fighting here. Uh, Song Yedong, who was very, um, very exciting in his last fight, is fighting as well. Li Jiang Liang, who is always, maybe not the most exciting fighter in the world, but it's always, you know, fun to watch. We'll take guys down and, and beat them up and stuff. Uh, Keenan Song as well against Alex Morona. That should be a really fun fight in the welterweight division. Uh, Jessica Aguilar, who used to be the best, uh, you know, the women's pound for pound number one fighter a few years ago, uh, is back here again. And uh, Yao Zhang uh, as well, the uh, women's strawweight. She was really impressive as well. I think it was her UFC debut, or maybe maybe she had a couple of fights, but she was very impressive as well um, coming in here in, in her last fight. So, not you know, not the best card in, in the world. John Phillips on the card as well, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in, where is he there? He's, oh, is Lewis Smolka as well? On this, oh, yeah, it's in the... Yeah, it's in the announced fights below. I'm looking on Wikipedia here. It wasn't in the top ones. Yeah, John Phillips is a big fight as well for John Phillips, isn't it? He is, you know, hasn't had the best start to his UFC career, but yeah. everyone knows, you know, his his striking and his his knockout ability. Big fight for him against uh, Kevin Holland here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, Kevin Holland obviously got his contract through the Dana White Contender Series, uh, and then lost his lost a decision in his first UFC fight, and and John Phillips. Uh, Every, like he's obviously a really good striker. People know him from the the local scene over here uh, and the UK scene. He went down and looked really bad on the ground uh, against Charles Bird uh, in his UFC debut. So uh, it's kind of not a must win. Like you might you might stick around if you if you lose, but going zero two in your first two fights uh, for either guy is is a big hill to to climb. So um, I think Phillips is probably I I don't know that much about Holland, but I think Phillips. Usually in, in his fights will have the advantage on the feet, but if it hits the ground, uh, we just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, this this guy has uh, uh, yeah yeah he has this hot this uh Kevin Holland fought Bubba McDaniel, who people might remember in a, in a Muay Thai bout, and fought another Muay Thai bout against Matt Foster. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking he's a striker as well. So maybe this will be. A, be a striking fest, which which both guys, or which especially John Phillips, uh, I know for for a fact would probably prefer to to stand. And this guy looks like he he might prefer to stand as well. So we, somebody might be going down in this one. Mm -hmm. It's hard to pick when I don't know that much about Kevin Holland, but I, I do know that uh, John Phillips is very good on, uh, on the feet, especially with his boxing. Mm -hmm. He calls himself the White Mike Tyson. I actually think he's the Welsh Derek Lewis. If you follow him on Instagram, he's absolutely <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Although he's not doing him as much, maybe it's because he's in a fight camp or something. But he's he's Instagram is fantastic throwing eggs at lads and just taking the piss out of his friends and stuff absolutely hilarious but uh yeah that, that should be a should be a good fight there's another uh, event actually next week as well in uh the, the ultimate fighter finale there's been an ultimate fighter on have you watched any of this ultimate fighter i've seen about maybe 15 seconds of it and that's it have you seen any of it i haven't seen one second no <laughs> uh, it's it's like I'm just uh, it's just, uh, it's like it's deadly. It, watching an episode is just so it's it seems like much longer than 40 whatever minutes when you're watching it it's just so formulaic and it feels like I've seen it all before mm -hmm. yeah if, if someone any of the fans here have watched tough give give Graham a text there he'll get you on the podcast and you can <laughs> <laughs> next week coming up to this fight but the, I suppose the headliner in this card is Rafael Dos Anjos that's a good versus, headliner huh that's a good headliner it's a good right? headliner yeah. yeah we mentioned it earlier on like it's it's a big fight as well isn't it for, for Dos Anjos uh, coming in here obviously you know a lot of people talked about him being maybe the, the you know the next welterweight champion obviously he went in and lost to Colby Covington in, in a weird kind of fight uh, and he's coming back here now to, to face Usman who this is really his, maybe not his first big test but his first kind of championship level maybe test i know he fought damian maya in his last fight and damian maya is a really good fighter as well but i think this this is a huge test for for 
kind of booming and it's kind of a, a graph kind of the one has maybe gone up one has maybe gone down and who's higher on the graph at the moment uh will will probably win it what, how do, what way do you see it going yeah, you're going to find out a lot about Usman here, I think. I, but I think Usman's going to have enough. I think the Covington fight against Rafa Tassanios showed that the bigger guy with the wrestling maybe be a bit too much for Tassanios here. He is he is historically a 155er and he has looked good at 170, but he looked out, outsized and outstrengthened in, in, the, in the Covington fight. So I think probably that's what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one, and I I think Usman will probably win it as well. But you know, I'm looking forward to it, seeing this scene how it actually uh, goes. Brian Carraway back here again as well against Pedro Munoz was always uh, fun to watch. Darren Stewart, who was um, cornering, I believe, at Cage Warriors there at the weekend, so he's fighting again uh, at the weekend. Um, and Antoni Antonina even Shevchenko, Valentina Shevchenko's sister, is making her UFC debut here. I think she was on the Dana White's Contender Series as well. And, and look good in that she's she's six and zero now as well with um you know you know with a lot of decisions in that four decisions and, and two knockouts but she looks like she could be a prospect coming in here as well and it's exciting to you know to see her coming in against uh ji young kim who is also an exciting fighter you know we've seen a, a couple of times before so that that fight uh should be fun and probably you know not, not the best fight in the car but maybe the second best fight in the card is Fly, hashtag fly never die Joseph Benavides versus uh, Alex Perez you know, Alex Perez beat uh, Jose Sharte Torres who is uh, obviously he's got got released by the UFC now but it was one of the <laughs> the top uh, flyweight um, prospects coming through and Alex Perez beat him so he's going in here big step up against Joseph Benavides who has been you know probably number two flyweight in the world for, for years has a win over Henry Cejudo you know and has a, a decision uh, with uh, Dimitri Shanson but that should be a fun fight isn't it was fun to watch Joseph Benavides yeah, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. The the level of technique and ability is is so high. And we were talking last week about Joe Benavidez, like being in another division, or one of the higher divisions with his technical ability. Uh, probably would have been champion and defended his belt, and maybe as well. Like, but it's just there's so much competition down there, and obviously the competition's getting a bit less when guys like Shoddy Torres are getting are getting released. But mm-hmm. um, it's a good fight, and uh, maybe nobody outside of the hardcore fans are going to be talking about it but the, the hardcore fans will be looking forward to it and if you look down the card a bit I think was Arnold Allen meant to fight I don't know if that fight yeah he was and it's Rich Glenn is off it as well he's a Rick, you know he's yeah. opponent but yeah there's there's another fight happening now but Arnold Allen Arnold Allen was supposed to fight Gilbert Melendez then Gilbert Melendez get injured and Rick Glenn came in and now Arnold Allen is injured so Rick Glenn is fighting someone else <laughs> so it's <just> a totally <laughs> different fight now but yeah it's it is uh, it is insanity speaking of Injuries in MMA. Chuck Liddell versus your boy. <laughs> Tito Ortiz. Ortiz. The laundry, the laundry yeah. list of injuries. Uh, so I believe it's available for nine euro on PlayStation Four, which is you know pretty good. I if I was at home, I, I'd buy that and watch it. I won't be at home, so I'd, I'm gonna miss it. So hopefully, I'll see it tomorrow. Way, but I look. I, I think okay. We we can talk about the fight in a second, but this is. A, a kind of a boxing type promotion where apparently the, the two lads in the main event are going to get a lot of the money from pay-per-view this is a thing I think fans maybe should support you know th- th- maybe not for the actual fight itself but for what they're actually doing you know this could lead to other guys doing it if it comes in you know, honestly you just Chuck Adele going up against Rampage Jackson in the yeah, next that's, fight that could, on the same <laughs> that, that <laughs> definitely could be it as well but you know if this was to do 100,000 buys I think guys would be looking at it like, like why couldn't I do that and why couldn't I you know prom- promote my own shows or maybe get a 
you know, in with, with Oscar De La Hoya to, to do that. But however, I think they'd be delighted with a hundred thousand buys. Yeah, I think it'd be huge if they did a hundred thousand buys. Yeah, if they did, probably if they did seventy five thousand buys, they'd be delighted with. But uh, however, what do you what do you think of the actual fight itself? Chuck versus Tito? Are you unbelievably it's excited for it? Uh, so I don't know what Chuck's going to look like, but I just got to assume that Tito's been fighting so many fighting and training and while Chuck Liddell's been doing what like uh, sitting in some fake job at the UFC mm-hmm. um, after he was already 10 years ago he was already not able to take a punch um, like he got hit with the first real punch he got hit with by Rich Franklin who had a broken arm at the time Rich Franklin never known to have power and that, that was what 8-10 years ago now yeah. um, I don't know it's, a, it's probably going to be one of these maybe Maybe Tito would just wrestle him, but maybe Tito would just hit him with some kind of punch, and just he'll be he'll be out cold again. Everybody be really sad. Yeah, <laughs> like the only way like I can... watching a BJ Penn fight. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I think it'll actually be worse. The only way this can go is Tito winning. Like Tito, Tito be Chelton in like eighteen months ago or something like that. So like he's he's definitely gonna be chucked little. Like I don't think there's any other option. But the weird thing about this is like you look at back at the other fights and. You know, they've they've, they've aged the, the same amount since then, but I think Chuck Liddell has actually aged like 20 years more than, than Tito Ortiz has. You know, Chuck Liddell was a far superior fighter to, to Tito Ortiz. Well, maybe not far superior, but definitely a superior fighter to Tito Ortiz back in the day. You know, beat him up uh, twice mm-hmm. in, in both of their fights, and obviously they were supposed to fight for a third time again, but Tito broke his back, or broke his neck or something with spinal anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Tito Ortiz will, will just walk through him here. and You know, it's, it's sad to see Chuck Liddell the way he is. Uh, you know, it's, he's obviously coming back what doing it. About Chuck kind of always was in Tito's head a little bit, though. I always thought, like, Tito yeah, was, was always yeah. kind of... I, I just don't think it'll matter at this stage. I think Chuck has yeah, deteriorated so much physically that even if he, you know, totally mind-fucked him and... You know, Tito came out and just throwing bungalows at him. I, I just don't think it'll make any difference. I just think Tito will beat him so easily. Like, Chuck can't move. Have you seen any of the, his... his oh, uh, I saw one yeah. Instagram video. It was terrible. Yeah, he looks absolutely horrendous. So, yeah, I, I look or at else it. he's just... He's a really smart guy, and he's like, here, just film this. I'm going to look really bad here. Yeah. <laughs> we said the same thing about McGregor, and then look what happened. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he's, I just... Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think this will live up to expectations. But uh, Tom Lawler's fighting on the undercard. I believe Gleason Tebow as well is on the undercard as well. So it's not you know it's not the worst card in the world. To a few. The only man to beat Habib. Exactly, a hundred percent. And uh, I think is he fighting Esco- Efren Escudero, a former tough winner, I believe. So, um, and the first uh, UFC fighter to follow me on Twitter as well. So there you go. So tune in for that. Give that man your <laughs> give that man your your nine euro. All right, let's move on here to the questions. Follow us or, or support us even Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe and May Podcast. We're going to have a lot of stuff over there the next couple of weeks, obviously, when I'm going to be away. So I'm going to have stuff drafted and they're going to be posting daily. I'm going to have the Q&A uh, up on Tuesday morning. So sign up for that. Uh, you can go as well, severemay.com forward slash Patreon and you can get us there. It's only like $5 a month. So it's like four, four euro 20 or something a month, the price of a pint, basically. And you can I'll get check it exactly how much it is now because it's been a while since we checked that. It could be cheaper it could be less but it's still definitely i I bank on it being cheaper than uh the point in dublin i know these days yeah probably is and if if you want to if you want us to do uh if you want us to do a 15 minute podcast as well it's uh 20 dollars a month to like what 17 18 euro or something and you can just sign up for that one so you can do it every month we've andy stevenson and a few other lads there um strike mx and dara kelly and all they've signed up for that and we've those podcasts up so if if you only sign up for the fiver you can also listen to all those podcasts so we have i think we've like Two, 300 podcasts or something like that and we have to rewatch every week I go back and watch fights I think there's close to 40 rewatches up right now so you can go back and listen to all them from, from one five month you can sign up for a month if you want uh, and yeah, get rid of it 4 euro 37 cents 
There you go. Price yeah. of a pint. Boom. Sign up. Patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. P-I-T-R-E-O-N. All right. Let's answer the questions here from there and we'll answer the rest of them because we're kind of stuck for time here today over on Patreon. Uh, Terence Davidson, if you could make a five fight uh, USA versus the world card, what would it be? Right. Uh, we kind of did this on Patreon the other day, but let me let me look at the, the champions. Okay. Tyron Woodley. Uh, he's he's a champion and he's from America. Who should he fight? I, I'm gonna go Panzanibio. There you go. You could you could do the next one. Come on, who yeah. who do you want? Um, let me just pull up the rankings here. What uh, TJ Dillashaw? Mm, what about TJ Dillashaw? Uh, versus the rest of the world. Um, hmm. TJ Dillashaw. What about Marlon Moraes? Hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um. Austin Sale. Yeah. Um, again that was uh, yeah there you go good one Henry Cejudo I want Henry Cejudo to fight Kyoji Haraguchi that's what I want to see I'm at the, mm. for the real world champion that'll be a good fight uh, so we've three there who else Max Holloway who would Max Holloway fight he's obviously fighting Brandon. is he, I mean, is he American or Hawaiian <laughs> are they not the, are they not born American no? <laughs> Ooh, tell people in Hawaii that. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, you want to know do you know what's weird as well, actually? Do you know what's very weird? The whole Ireland, Northern Ireland thing. It wasn't funny. Ireland played Northern Ireland in a soccer match at the Aviva Stadium on, like, what, Thursday or something? And there was, like, big animosity and all. And then, like, three days later, Ireland rugby team or both Ireland and Northern Ireland played together on the same field and were, like, hugging each other and great friends. Isn't it weird? It's a weird situation. We talk about Americans and all and, like, not understanding Ireland and the UK and Northern Ireland and all. Do you... Like it's pretty confusing at times, <laughs> too, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a weird yeah. one, but that's. I probably weird, put Max Holloway, assuming we're calling him American against Yair Rodriguez. I know we shouldn't push Yair Rodriguez that quickly like into that, that, but oh, what about Max? So what about Showtime Sharapov? Mega Mid Sharapov versus <laughs> Max Holloway. Let me see that. Yeah, uh, that'd be good as well. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Cormier. Who's who, could Daniel Cormier? Who could Daniel Cormier fight? Brock Lesnar. Canada's Brock Lesnar. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fucking sorted. Uh, that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful card there. We have for you, uh, Sean Dini. With the lack of cards in Ireland, does it increase the importance of the IWMAF yeah. Championship for Irish fighters? It, it definitely does, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We talked about it earlier. Kind of, it's it's kind of the only guaranteed <laughs> yearly tournament that they can they can look forward to. Like you know, they they can look they can see. Okay, I'm gonna train. I'm gonna get a couple of fights in before, and then I'm gonna go to the IMAs. Also, can I just say one thing here? If Con- Conor McGregor, if someone's Conor McGregor, you're listening to this. Will you give these lads fucking two grand to buy a few few uh, t-shirts and and a few um, tracksuits to go to the IMF? Come on. You could, could, could Conor McGregor not spare, spend, spare fucking two grand to buy these lads a few tracksuits? Have a word with him, Graham, for fuck's sake. The government <laughs> are not going to do it. Come on, it's the least he could do. Especially like Lee Hammond, the guy who's helped him out an awful lot. Buy these lads a few tracksuits. You probably wouldn't even have to fucking pay for them. Just ring up Reebok and go, here, Reebok, any chance you'd make me 10 tracksuits uh, for, for the uh, Irish IWMAF uh, team? I'm sure they'd fucking do it. Let's, let's, get, let's make that happen. Come on. Come on, McGregor, let's do it. Uh, Sean Dini, how good a job, how good a job has Chris Fields done in swords? He's building a solid stable out there. Yeah, what I talked about a bit earlier. What Chris Fields is? This guy looks. This guy. Chris Fields looks like he could be a really good. This guy. This guy. This guy is an athlete. Uh, he looks like he could be a really good, um, a really good trainer coming out. You know, there's obviously a lot of kind of SBG gyms opening. Peter Quigley and, and McGregor, I think, and Sergey Pikulski as well has have opened their gym below in Nace. Uh, Paddy Hoolan's obviously opened his gym as well. Owen Roddy's opened his gym, and you know we have obviously. Yeah. 
yeah. Mull Peters we have the likes of, of Team Rhino and, and the IMM AF or what FAI up up the north and um, SPG Cork and MMA Cork as well yeah. Belong Cork and, Moore, yeah, yeah, and Next Generation so what, what about Chris Fields though you know obviously you've been around him for a long time he he kind of has the he's the, the jib of a, of a coach doesn't he yeah, it's it's really hard to know uh, if a guy's uh, what kind of guy's a fighter if he's going to be a good coach. I think it's more it's more down to personality and kind of being calm and like a lot of a lot of times guys kind of maybe they're really good. They know the techniques, but they're just not good teachers. Mm-hmm. They they might know more techniques than Chris Fields or be a more well-rounded fighter than Chris Fields, but they're not as they don't they don't put as much into it or don't care as much about their guys or. Or just aren't good at telling people what to do, or, or you know, it, it is it, some guys aren't just aren't suited for it. But it does seem like Chris Fields is. But uh, maybe, maybe all the years of of cornering, even when he didn't have his own gym, are standing to him, and he's he's evolved quicker than maybe as a coach than maybe other other guys have. And maybe once he fully retires from fighting, he'll be able to kind of put more into it as well and become even better. And experience and time obviously is going to help as well. So. Yeah, he's definitely, definitely. Like, if you look at Owen Roddy, like Owen Roddy's improving as a as a coach all the time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it just takes time. Yeah, uh, Dalton Stickney, Connor versus Aldo two a lightweight winner gets Habib. Aldo gets his rematch. Connor gets his rematch. If he wins, thoughts throwing interim belt in just for fun. What, what do you think, Graham? Aldo versus. Like, I'd like to see it again, but I don't see it happening again. Yeah, I just don't see the interest in it really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if Joanna loses at UFC two three one three title fights in a row, what do you do with her? Uh, would this be the most epic fall in UFC history from undefeated losing three title fights in a row and stuck in no woman's land? I, I don't know. Would it would it be because she, obviously she lost to Rose Namajunas, who's who's really really good, and she's going in here against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. That that must be coming up pretty soon as well. But hopefully it's not between now and when we have a podcast. And we'll definitely get one out for that anyway. If it is, Ronda fall was bigger just because it was from a higher height. I don't think it'll be a big fall. Well, it'll be a big fall obviously but I don't think it's you know I don't think people look back and say oh Joanna you know Joanna Ian Jacek went full fucking Johnny Hendricks on or anything like I just think she came up against really really good fighters I still think she's a really really good fighter as well I think it's one of yeah. those uh, one of those situations um, last one here from pa- uh, from Patreon we get one or two from uh, Instagram and and uh, Twitter as well Shane M thoughts on Keen Collins performance hall leg kicks yeah we, we talked about that uh, a lot those, those leg kicks were absolutely vicious you know we saw with uh, Ponzinibbio as well leg kicks leg kicks can be a game changer what, what fight was it? it was the Marty Acacia fight which I think kind of changed the game a little bit with th- those low leg kicks and uh, calf who, kicks calf kicks yeah who was it again Frank landed a lot of them against uh, Cub Swanson was it or somebody Frank Yeager fight he he landed a lot of them as well yeah um, really effective um, I don't know why they're not throwing more maybe because they're just not a common Muay Thai technique and a lot of a lot of MMA guys are kind of their striking base was Muay Thai for for a lot of years. Muzzy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, boy over on uh, on Instagram will there be podcast next week? No, because I'll be drinking pints uh, in Scotland. Last one here from Reese McKee, Irish uh, Irish MMA fighter. Should the option of one more round be available on the local scene? What do you think of that? Like, uh, if if the fight is close or, or a draw or something, should they go out and fight another round to see who the winner is? Um, if it's a draw, I can see. But uh, like, if you're say you're in a you're in a five round fight and you're kind of conserving your energy and then you kind of go blow yourself out in the last round you kind of give it everything mm-hmm. maybe it would it would change that guys wouldn't give it everything and the fights would be less exciting guys would be thinking oh i better save something in case this is in case that first round was a 10-8 and that you know and they're kind of work, working it in their head they're kind of like oh i can't really go for it here now mm-hmm. um but I, I if it's if it's like 29 28 for one guy i, I, I don't really see 
why you would go another round is just going to be a draw then if the guy wins the round. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. My my whole thing about it is like these guys probably aren't getting paid that much and they're going in there fighting another round like mm-hmm. and they haven't maybe prepared for that. Well, there or... could be a in the contract saying that if there's an extra round you get paid so much or... Mm. <laughs> Didn't it be like trying to poke lads in the ice so they get another round and get more money? <laughs> yeah, come in and go here. We're just going to stand and look yeah. at each other for for three rounds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, draw 30 30. <laughs> Yeah, the, the judges probably wouldn't still give a fucking 27, 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, all right. Thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. As I say, go over and follow us on, on Instagram as well. We're trying to grow that Instagram. I'm putting loads of shit up there, and it's it's going to be a really, really good news source. So if you're on Instagram, follow Severe MMA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Severe MMA Pod. Send your questions in all week. You just don't have to send them in before the podcast. You can send them in all week, uh, and we'll keep them there as well. Severe MMA Podcast at gmail.com. I'll see Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. And don't forget to follow um, my our friends over there at Buavox Physio, B U L V O X Physio, uh, over on Instagram on, and B-U-A. Twitter as well. B U A, yeah, B U A V O X. There you go, Graham. And any final parting words to for everyone? I'm gonna try and enjoy a little bit of the, go out and enjoy a little bit of the sun, and then go to, or maybe go to IKEA and get. Apparently, I've never been to IKEA. Apparently, oh, you have to walk around for ages. Oh, it's the worst place on earth. Oh, it is hell, absolute fucking. <laughs> I just, well, I, I'm going to hell now, so. Uh, yeah. I'm going to hell as well. I'm going to hell as well next uh, next weekend. I'll be in Dublin, so the worst. Uh, so the best, ever. the best day of your life, and is it it's the best day of my life. What, what about this? Actually, this whole New Zealand Ireland thing. Didn't win the friendly, and people call them the best. One fella said every player on the team should be given the freedom of Ireland. <laughs> Friendly people always just like get so offended if you call a uh, friendly or friendly yeah like it's a test they say it's a test match it's like yeah it's a test like a like a friendly have you have you, <laughs> have you heard a... have you heard about the shit of people like shushing people and being quiet for kicks in pubs watching the match well no way oh what? yeah apparently like i've talked to a few people on and they said that it's like i this rugby rugby fans are the fucking weirdest people in the world because none of them actually really like rugby that much they're all kind uh, of bandwagon. people love no, rugby very few. Guys, like you would never stop talking about rugby very no matter what you're talking about it's ah oh, very very few they're oh, they're fucking pricks all like rugby is one of those things that <laughs> rugby is one of those things that people don't really care about it that much so even if they lose it does like if man united lose or if liverpool lose for you we're fucking heartbroken we're like fucking sickened football i huh? don't yeah but i don't care because i'm so sick and like if if ireland or munster lose we yeah oh no they lost we don't really give a shit totally and if they win then it's great we can celebrate and we all love it so it's like the rugby is the perfect sport for your mental well-being and your happiness not because it doesn't really make you that sad and if they win it'll make you really really happy because you don't actually really give a shit that much and you can d- decide to like it anyway so i don't know i don't think the series is very good I, 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 uh, me and rugby fans don't really get on that well, uh, t- as you can imagine. But like, I, I used to have an awful hatred as for a rugby. Former as player well. yourself, as well as, as you. Know. Yeah. I, I, I used to have a, I used to have a hatred for rugby because it was obviously rugby is the Limerick is the heartbed of rugby in Ireland, and I, I used to always think they're like, it's, it's a fact, like, it's a fact. And I used to always yeah, think they're like, take, not a fact. they're taking away our hurlers and all, all the best athletes. I go full American, like all the best athletes in in Limerick are getting taken away. But now that we're the we're the hurling world champions, I don't even care anymore. So. I hope they win. Yeah. I hope they win. The, the All Ireland champions of the world. If they, if Ireland don't win, can we just agree on this? If you're saying they're the best team in the world now and they're you know beat New Zealand, they should be given the freedom of Ireland. Can we all agree that if Ireland, no, other people, <laughs> yeah. if if Ireland don't win the World Cup next year, that it's a failure. Can we not when they get to the quarterfinals get beaten South Africa? Can we not uh, show up and give them fifteen thousand people coming on and say we did really well for the small country? 
I think in fairness though the, the run to the final is meant to be really difficult isn't it yeah they're meeting South Africa in the quarterfinals probably either South yeah. Africa or New Zealand so they're fucked either way I think so I'm looking forward to the failure I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I'm a dickhead. I don't care. I, 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 I like rugby. I, like I wouldn't be as like a massive rugby fan, but like my dad has always been into rugby. So when I was I went to games when I was younger and stuff. So um, like, did you I, did you go I, with I your friends uh, Oshin and Fiacra? You did and wear pink uh, polo shirts and stuff. <laughs> no, but uh, it sounds like it would have been fun. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Apologies to all the rugby fans listening in. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see it's you in. They're just like, oh, I'm so happy we won, we won. Uh, you won a friendly, nobody cares. Nobody you cares. Fuck you. Fuck the whole lot of you. Terrible social. Uh, we'll be back with a special episode next week, but we'll be back uh, live and in, well, not live, but in colour. In, uh, not in colour either in audio in, uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in, in two I'm just lying to everyone <laughs> in two weeks uh, so we'll see you all then and here's the inspirational quote of the week don't follow your dreams chase them we'll see you next no we actually won't see you next Tuesday we'll see you on two Tuesday this time good luck <laughs>